Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. As you probably know, Easter is right around the corner on Sunday, April 4th. And I would love to invite you to celebrate Easter Sunday with us in person at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., or 11 a.m. Or you can join us online that day at 9.30 a.m. on our Facebook page or on our YouTube channel. Now, here's today's podcast episode. Good morning, Christian Church, Carl Junction. Glad you're with us. Out of Darkness is talking about the slaves in Egypt becoming a nation, the children of Israel. God took them out of the darkness of slavery and took them into liberty. Uh, I really appreciate Adam's leading us through that, and the ten plagues were just awful, weren't they? (laughs) They have escaped from the army of Pharaoh. Well, the Pharaoh's army met with ill fate when they tried to cross the Red Sea in chariots. Normally, it didn't work and didn't work this time either. They were drowned. But on the way to Sinai, the children of Israel got thirsty, and they forgot that God would provide for them, so they complained. Don't be a complainer. And they got hungry, and they forgot that God would provide for them, and they complained. Don't be a complainer. And they get to Mount Sinai, and that's where we are today. The guardrails of grace are the Ten Commandments. And I don't know if you ever memorized the Ten Commandments, but we're going to go through them. Before we do that, I want to show you some photographs from Washington, D.C. Because Moses is in these three. Now, I'm not sure if the letters are big enough for you to read. The guy in the middle is Moses. And there are other people in this sculpture that's, uh, he's at the peak. You can see the, how the roof is. Let's go to the next one. Moses is an important people and is an important people. He is among the most important people who ever lived in history. And on his thighs, he had resting the two tablets of the law, the Ten Commandments that God gave him. And this has to do with righteousness and justice and doing what's right. And so you can see here the the place where that sculpture is. It's at the top of a building over the entrance. And let's look at the next one. If you didn't recognize it before, this is the Justice Department of the United States of America Supreme Court building. And Maybe you've heard people say, well, in the United States, we we have to be sure and make sure religion doesn't become important in government. They didn't always think that way. When somebody says, "Uh, God needs to be away from politics, uh, they haven't read the documents. And I would like to recommend to you, in fact, and I don't have any for sale. I I might, might have made some money there. The Patriot's Bible has essays and speeches and quotes from our founding fathers in it besides the whole scripture, Genesis through Revelation. So I want to recommend that to you. If you've been listening to voices to say that uh, religion and uh, government don't mix, that isn't the way we used to think in the United States of America. Well, Moses, being the important person that he is, and uh, almost everybody would probably even non-religious, non-Christian, non-believers might admit this is the pinnacle of Moses' career. He gives the Ten Commandments to the people. (laughs) 
He didn't have the Ten Commandments. God gave them to the people. But before he comes down the mountain, carrying the two tablets of stone, is the episode that we want to talk about today. And I want to read to you. We're in Exodus chapter 20, and we'll read the first verses, which are the Ten Commandments. By the way, if you haven't memorized where to find the Ten Commandments, I want you to do that. Exodus 20. Okay, are you ready? One, two, three, say it. Exodus 20. That was pretty weak. Let's do it again. Exodus 20 is the answer. Okay, one, two, three, say it. Exodus 20. Well, that's where the Ten Commandments are. And you need to learn where the Sermon on the Mount is, too. I'll let you look that one up. We're reading from Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 and following. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter nor your male or female servant nor your animals nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And those are the Ten Commandments. If you do not have a Bible, we have a Bible just like this one to give to you. If you're here in the building, on the way out through the back doors and to the right, Adam and I will be at the Next Steps table and be happy to give you for free this Bible. If you're at home watching over the internet, then you need to email us, and we will get a Bible to you. Before going through the commandments one by one, I would like to read to you the Bricklayer's Accident Report. Uh, this is such a good piece that you, I'm guessing, may recognize having heard it before. Dear Sir, I am writing in response to your request for additional information in block number three of the accident reporting form. I put poor planning as the cause of my accident. You asked for a fuller explanation, and I trust the following details will be sufficient. By the way, if you have heard this before, don't forget to chuckle at the right places, okay? That'll cue the rest of us in. I am a bricklayer by trade. On the day of the accident, I was working alone on the roof of a new six-story building. When I completed my work, I found I had some bricks left over, which then were, which were weighed later and found to weigh 240 pounds. 
Rather than carry the bricks down by hand, I decided to lower them in a barrel by using a pulley which was attached to the side of the building at the sixth floor. Securing the rope at ground level, I went up to the roof, swung the barrel out, and loaded the bricks onto it. Then I went down and untied the rope, holding it tightly to ensure a slow descent of the 240 pounds of bricks. You will note on the accident reporting form that my weight is 135 pounds. Due to my surprise at being jerked off the ground so suddenly, I lost my presence of mind and forgot to let go of the rope. Needless to say, I proceeded at a rapid rate up the side of the building. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel, which was now proceeding downward at an equally impressive speed. This explains the fractured skull, minor abrasions, broken collarbone, as listed in Section 3, Accident Reporting Form. Slowed only slightly, I continued my rapid ascent, not stopping until the fingers of my, my right hand were two knuckles deep into the pulley, which I mentioned paragraph two of this correspondence. Fortunately, by this time, I had regained my presence of mind and was able to hold onto the rope in spite of the excruciating pain I was now beginning to experience. At approximately the same time, however, the barrel of bricks hit the ground and the bottom fell out of the barrel. Now devoid of the weight of the bricks, the barrel weighed approximately 50 pounds. I refer you again to my weight. As you might imagine, I began a rapid descent down the side of the building. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel coming up. This accounts for the two fractured ankles, broken tooth, and severe lacerations of my legs and lower body. Here, my luck began to change slightly. The encounter with the barrel seemed to slow me enough to lessen my energies, lessen my injuries, when I fell onto the pile of bricks, and fortunately, only three vertebrae were cracked. I'm sorry to report, however, as I lay there on the pile of bricks, in pain, unable to move, and watching the empty barrel six stories above me, I again lost my composure and presence of mind and let go of the rope. Don't lose your composure. Don't let go of the rope. God wants us to use our brains. He wants us to think. And as we go through the Ten Commandments, I want you to think about them. And one of the things I would like you to consider is, are you guilty of breaking any of these? Now, just in case you're not sure, when you find one that you broke, don't stand up and say, I did that one. We, we're not going to do that, okay? And I'm not going to admit to you today which ones I've broken. But we're at Exodus 20. Oh, I need to tell you how they got ready for this day, okay? Don't lose your spot. Exodus 20. When the day was approaching, they've, they've made camp near Mount Sinai, and it's time for them to face the Lord their God. And they've seen ten plagues and they've seen him provide in the wilderness. They watched the Egyptian army drown by the hand of the Lord. But this time is going to be something very special. They have to wash their clothes. They have to abstain from sexual relations. They put up a fence by the mountain so no one would get close enough to touch the mountain because if they touched it, they would die. 
If an animal went around the side of the fence and got on the other side, that animal was to be killed. This is a holy place, a holy time, a holy mountain. And they were to not approach until they heard a long blast from a trumpet. And we aren't told who the trumpet player was, but I'm here to tell you that you wouldn't get me to get up on the mountain and be the one to play the trumpet. You stay away from the mountain, okay? You get close. You don't touch the mountain. So the trumpet sounded. They come close, and God comes down. Now, he's in a dark, thick, heavy cloud, and he comes down in fire, and the whole mountain is in smoke like one large furnace with smoke billowing up off this mountain. The mountain shakes. And then the voice of the Lord. When the experience was over, and we're about to read again the words that God said to them in person with his audible voice. After the experience, they said, Moses, please don't make us listen to him again. We, you go talk to the Lord, and you come back and tell us what he said, and we'll do what he says. If we have to to listen to that voice anymore, we're going to die. So on the way walking back to camp after they'd been told the Ten Commandments, and now, okay, this is my sanctified imagination. You won't read this in the Scripture. But I imagine there were conversations like, yes, I I don't like for my children ever to see me afraid because I'm I'm their hero and I'm, I'm the one who protects them. I couldn't stop shaking, for goodness sakes. And, and somebody else said, did you see that mountain shake? Talk about shaking. I Never in my born days, I wondered if the tents would be up when we get back to the camp. What shaking? And, and somebody else said, yeah, yeah. Do you remember how scary Pharaoh was? Nothing like the Lord our God. Oh, my goodness. Don't make us listen to that voice again. And these are the words that he spoke. Exodus 20, starting in verse 1. I am, the Lord spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Commandment 1. You shall have no other gods before me. If you're willing to mark in your Bible, and I mark in my Bible all the time, I would suggest that you take an ink pen or a pencil and mark where the commandments are. In, in this version of the Bible, it's outdented, so you can see easily where a new commandment starts, but not all the Bibles are that way. So I will tell you when we get to a new one. Number one is, you shall have no other gods before me. Well, that's pretty plain, isn't it? Yes, and we find out it's really easy to love something else and not the Lord God. No other gods before me. This generation and their descendants had particular trouble with idols. And that's commandment number two. Starts in verse four. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But... Showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. I'm still thinking about how that voice reverberated. Have you been to a concert somewhere where they turned up really loud? 
and, and you could feel your clothing pounding against your chest. I've, I've been to a concert like that, and I don't plan to go again. <laughs> but if they had it turned up to nine and a half, the Lord turned it up to 11 when he was speaking, okay? By the way, that's off the scale for those of you who don't play with amps. All right. Did you catch how many generations will be punished that follow you if you don't love the Lord your God? God visits the sin of the parents on their children and their children's children and their children's children's children. That's, that's third and fourth generation. He promises to visit the sins of the parents. I, are you living out consequences of your parents or grandparents not loving the Lord your God? You might be. I bet you can turn it around. You can be the generation that's different. And did you notice how many generations are affected from the descendants of those who love the Lord their God? Let me read it to you again. It's verse 6, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. So God's big on blessing. He's short on curses. But if you earn the curse, you'll get it. So don't do it. Obey. These guardrails of grace are to keep us walking straight in a world of darkness. Commandment three is verse seven. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Do you know the phrase, take the name of the Lord in vain? Okay, this is a different translation of, of that commandment. So when you speak about God, may it be that you are reverencing him and not using his name to say something awful. I want to tell you what my dad said when he would get really, really upset. Are you ready? He'd say, well, crime in Italy. He wasn't thinking about Italy, was he? <laughs> he was just upset. And that was his go-to phrase. Uh, he'd never been to Italy. But the point that I'm making is, if what you say when you get really, really upset is the name of the Lord, probably you need to change that. That is not honoring the name of the Lord. I never heard my dad cuss or swear or take the name of the Lord in vain. What a testimony. I think, I think I'm part of that thousand generations that is blessed because of parents who love the Lord. I want you to be a part of that too, and you can start it for your generation. Verse 8 is command 4, starting in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter nor your male or female servant nor your animals nor any foreigner residing in your, in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Of all the commandments of these ten, this is the only one that is not repeated in the New Testament. And the Sabbath, Saturday, was set apart by God for his nation to observe every Saturday. And it hasn't changed. But, but the New Testament does change some things, doesn't it? We're not going to go far into that territory. I want you to hear about the Ten Commandments, but this is the one that is not repeated in the New Testament. The Lord, and by the way, when he rested on the seventh day, you, you can read it again in Genesis. It doesn't say he got tired. 
so he rested on the seventh day. God does not get tired. Okay. Well, he might get tired of complaining. We can talk about that some other day. Commandment 5 is verse 12. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. It is to be supposed that if you do not honor your father and your mother, you will not live long in the land. It has become in the last, I don't know, several decades since I was a young person that some people try to persuade, and particularly teenagers, and particularly on campuses of our universities in the United States of America, they try to convince young people, you know, this is time, you're on your own now, okay? You, you need to leave behind the narrow thinking of your parents. They were probably really strict. They were probably Christians. They probably had some really... Strong ideas about the Bible, but you don't need to think that way, and you don't need. And they teach them to dishonor their parents. Well, that's that's inviting them to live under a curse. Don't don't do it. And I'm guessing you've had disagreements with your parents, but you can do that and not dishonor them. Okay, we don't agree about everything, and with your children, they won't agree with you about everything. I, I'm a parent. I have grown children. They will not agree with you about everything. Okay? But they need to honor you as their parents, and you need to honor your parents. Commandment 6 is verse 13. You shall not murder. I'm going to take it for granted. You know what that means. Almost, I'm told, almost all societies consider murder wrong. And, and how, how would we all have come to that same conclusion? We, we're not in touch with all the cultures of the world. I think it's because we have the same creator. Commandment 7, verse 14. You shall not commit adultery. There are lots of ways to be sexually impure. This command is supposed to cover them all, okay? Uh, if, if you do something that makes you impure sexually, and then you say, well, it wasn't adultery, uh, you still need to repent. Okay, it's, it's bad, it's wrong, it will hurt you, and you know it, but let me say it anyway. God didn't give these commands so he could make sure everybody knew he was boss, and if you step out of line, you're in big trouble with the big boss. That isn't his heart here. He wants to impress upon the people, this is how you live a healthy, good, long, blessed life. Commandment 8 is verse 15. You shall not steal. Have you ever been stolen from? Have you ever? I already asked you not to raise your hand. Maybe you've even stolen something. I, those of us who dislike stealing, we live with the Lord. I, I think that's all of us here. I think that's everyone who's watching on their TV or computer or phone. But just in case you don't, I, I want you to know that we're going to a place where there's no more thievery. When we live in the celestial city with the Lord, I, nobody else is going to steal because those people don't get in. Verse 16 is commandment 9. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. There are occasions where you can deceive somebody and it isn't strictly giving false testimony against your neighbor. So let me... Let me interpret this verse for you. Tell the truth, for goodness sakes. 
I, there, there is no reason to think that the Lord is saying, well, if you can get around this commandment and deceive somebody, well, that's all right. Okay? You tell the truth. Believers become known for telling the truth. Verse 17 is commandment 10. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Don't covet. If you want something badly enough, get a job, earn some money, and get it yourself. <laughs> but not somebody else's. It's unhealthy. It's wrong. And it will leave you in a bad spot. As I have studied the Ten Commandments, I've had some surprises. And I want to share a few of those with you. Maybe they weren't, wouldn't be surprises to you. Surprise number one is the greatest commandment isn't one of the ten. Well, why would God do that? Because ten wasn't enough and he, he wanted to put in some more. And actually the rabbis have done the counting. In, in, the, old, in Moses, the books of Moses, there are 613 different commandments and the ten are the basis for all of the law. All right? But... The greatest commandment, you remember, I'm guessing, the situation. There was a teacher of the law who came to Jesus and asked him, Teacher, what is the biggest commandment, the greatest, the most important commandment? And Jesus didn't need to hesitate. By the way, he's the one who told Moses what to write when he wrote it down. <laughs> okay. So he said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Oh. Well, that's, that's a pretty good commandment. Nod your head with me. Yeah, that, that's, that's a pretty good commandment. Surprise number two is the second most important commandment isn't one of the Ten Commandments. Oh, we're kind of in a rut here, aren't we? But Jesus continued talking to the teacher of the law, and he said, and the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. The teacher of the law agreed with Jesus. And here's where I'd like to pause and say, I think God wants us to think when we're reading his word. The teacher of the law agreed with Jesus. And he repeated the first commandment, repeated the second commandment, said, these are greater than all the law and prophets put together. These two. And Jesus said, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Well, so why am I saying we need to think? Well, if the, if the two most important commandments are not in the Ten Commandments, how are we supposed to find that? We're supposed to read God's Word and think. Think. What's God pointing out? What, what does He really want? And if we love Him with all our heart, and by the way, that's not even in Exodus. That's in Deuteronomy 6. If we love the Lord our God with all our heart, it means we'll want to keep His commands, doesn't it? So that's a bigger command than any of the ten. And the second one, love your neighbors yourself. In the book of Leviticus, are you kidding me? You have to read the book of Leviticus to find that one? This teacher of the law had probably memorized all these books of Moses. But anyway, it's in chapter 19 if you want to look it up. So, surprise number three. Surprise number three is the third greatest commandment is not one of the... I made that up just to make sure you were still listening to me. 
Okay? I don't know that the Bible mentions the third most important commandment. And if you know where it talks about it, you tell me after church, okay? Because I, I need to learn about that. Before I tell you about the third surprise, I need to, to um, tell you about when I opened a checking account in South America. My family and I lived for several years in Chile. And I realized the advantages of having a bank account, a checking account in a local bank. So I went in our part of the city, there was a branch office of Banco Sudamericano. If you want to learn to say that, I'll teach you later. But the guy who told me about the account and explained it to me was a real friendly guy, and he told me about how much it was going to cost to keep the account going. He said, this is a free account as long as you keep the minimum balance. If you don't keep the minimum balance, he said, see this line right here? If you don't keep the minimum balance, you have crossed the line. And we will charge you for your checking account $40 a month. I wanted to be on this side of the line. Okay? But he explained, they keep track of the balance every day. And if it ever dropped anything under $400, I had crossed the line and there was no getting back. You couldn't raise the minimum balance and show them in good faith. No. If you cross the line, you cross the line, and that was it. What I didn't tell him was, if I ever cross the line, I've got to close this account. I can't afford that kind of money for keeping a checking account. So, the surprise is, number three, the law just can't do what you need done. The law does not save anybody. As important as it is, as strong as it is, as worthy as it is, of being honored, it cannot save you. It wasn't made for that. And we're going to read a couple of verses in the book of Galatians. And this, this is just one, Galatians chapter 3. This is just one of many scriptures in the New Testament that explain the purpose of the law is not to save you. Ah, but we do have a Savior, don't we? And this is where you nod your head with me again. And you smile because we are awfully glad the Savior has done for us what nobody else can do. Galatians 3, we're jumping into the middle of verse 21. If a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But Scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin so that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. So, if you have broken one of the Ten Commandments, and by the way, I'm not a betting man, but I would win money if I bet on that. You have. You have. And I have. So, once you step across the line, you can't keep the commandments better and make up for that. You have broken the whole law. James 2.10 explains that. If you keep the whole law but fail in one point, you have broken the whole law. Oh my, what an awful situation to be in <laughs> until you meet Jesus. So, I'm not sure what your situation is, but you need Jesus too. If, let's talk about budget. If your monthly budget is such that when, when you figure it out, there is no way with that income to be able to pay all the bills and have groceries, I just can't do it. God knows about that. 
And he's willing to help you if you'll commit to following Jesus. Maybe you have in your family, this is not a good place to smile at me because then I'll know. You maybe have in your family somebody who is just impossible to get along with. They have ill will towards everybody. And when the family gets together, everybody has a miserable time because of that person. Oh, dear me. The Lord knows about that, and he can help you help that person. But you've got to commit to Jesus to get that done. Have you been saying to yourself, or maybe in the past you've said, I knew life wasn't fair, but does it have to be this hard? The God who shook the mountain knows what you need, and he will meet your need. But you've got to commit to Jesus. Is, is your employment just hanging by a thread, and they're laying people off, and you don't know where you would get employment if they did lay you off? Well, the Lord knows your situation, and he will help you. Will you commit to Jesus? <laughs> how, about, how about, have you been thinking about last year and, and how delicious it was? No, I'm not. Uh, no, last year was a hard year for every, even people who had a good time. It was a bad year. And maybe it was a terrible year for you. And now here we are this far into the new year, and you're thinking, I don't know if things are going to get better for me this year or not. The Lord who gave the Ten Commandments in audible voice knows your situation, how your year has gone, and he will help you. Will you commit to Jesus? Maybe you're a student, and at your school, everybody seems to be against you, or maybe just most everybody. And, and you would consider it a good day if, if nobody talked to you because they didn't say anything mean, didn't touch you, didn't, didn't do anything they shouldn't do. But, but if that's a good day, it just underscores the fact that you're lonely. You don't have close friends. The Lord God, who gave the Ten Commandments, knows that. And he can change your situation. He can transform your life. Are you willing to commit to him? Do you have so many decisions to make that you just can't stand it and you feel like your brain is about to explode? The God who gave the Ten Commandments also gave us Jesus, and he can keep your mind from exploding. Did you ever live in such tension that you just couldn't take it? And maybe that's your experience today. And, and as you look at our country, it looks like it's headed full speed the wrong direction. These are things you can't control, I can't control. So, so what do we do? We commit to Jesus. He comes in and he transforms our life. When you see that you are a sinner and guilty before God, you confess that you're a sinner. You say, Jesus is Lord, just like he said he is. We lower you into water. We bring you up out of the water. You have the Holy Spirit and you start a new life. God is transforming you from that point forward and and life gets different. And you know what? If you broke some of the Ten Commandments, you can still do that. In fact, especially, Jesus is the champion of people who need help. So, we're going to sing one more song. If you have a decision you need to share with somebody, I want to hear it. I will be out those back doors and at the right hand where the next steps table is. Adam Jones will be there. Either one of us would be happy to talk to you and pray with you. 
commit to Jesus, he's the one who takes us out of darkness.